Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We had another great week in the NFL for Week 8. As always, a lot of stuff going on, so let's get right to the news. This week, we're going to start off with a recap from a 4 o'clock game on Sunday. On Sunday, The New York Giants visiting the Dallas Cowboys, NFC East rivals. They're playing for the second time this year. The Giants are actually undefeated in Cowboys Stadium there in Arlington and were able to keep that record a perfect 4-0 after they defeated the Cowboys Sunday evening 29-24 the final score. In this game the Cowboys just continue to hurt themselves with mistakes and turnovers. Uh, the, the Giants of course taking advantage of them early on uh, they jumped out to a 23-0 lead uh, early in the second quarter Picked off Romo at that point three times. One of them returned for a score uh, by by Jason Pierre-Paul. I think the Cowboys have seen enough of him even in the last uh, two years uh, in uh, their own stadium. Of course, blocking that field goal last year to, to seal the win. But early on, the Giants weren't really taking advantage of their opportunities all that much. We're only out to a 6 nothing lead after having going into the red zone uh, both times were able to score on their third possession after another uh, Cowboy turnover to make it 13-0, kicked another field goal, and then finally um, really started to take advantage of the opportunities and um, jump out to a really big lead with uh, the interception from Pierre Paul returned for a touchdown to make it 23-0. But the Cowboys didn't quit. They kept coming back in this game. The Cowboys actually had a much higher yardage total than than the Giants, 434 for Dallas, only 293 for the Giants. Romo actually threw for more yards than 434. He threw for 437. Virtually no running game for the Cowboys, only 19 yards from Felix Jones. Um, DeMarco Murray did not play in this game. He's still injured. And then how you might ask, how is it possible that those two yardages add up to 434 total yards? Well, Romo was sacked four times, so you subtract the, the, the sack... Um, yardage totals to get to get 434 yards but anyway overall six turnovers for the Cowboys in this game four interceptions from Romo you can't win that way you just can't win and that's going to be the theme of our show today we're going to look into teams that are turning the ball over and it's a common theme around the league ladies and gentlemen if you turn the ball over you're not going to win many games and we saw that on Sunday evening, as, as the Cowboys fell just short, they actually threw up uh, a long desperation pass with about 10 seconds left. Des Bryant came down with it, but his left side of his left hand, I believe it was his left hand, uh, came down just out of bounds on the white line. That was the first thing that touched down, so he was out of bounds. Uh, it was a really good call. Uh, originally, it was touchdown on the field, uh, the Giants were devastated as they thought they were going to lose. There was just less than 10 seconds left in the game, but uh, they double-checked it, and that hand was on the white line, out of bounds, and the Giants were able to hold on for a five-point victory. 
for the Giants, I think you really got to say that they didn't play that well today. They they the Cowboys played horrible, and you were able to take advantage of their mistakes. But offensively, the Giants really didn't get going. Like I said, only 293 total yards. Um, they got touchdowns from. I was going to say they got a touchdown from Andre Brown, uh, uh, rushing. And Ahmad Bradshaw had a decent game, 78 yards on 22 carries. Eli Manning was kind of out of sync on Sunday. And um, as a result, you know, they really weren't able to crush the Cowboys. But they got the win. And uh, looking around the division, the rest of the division, the Eagles lost and the Redskins. So the Giants really have a, a tight grip on that NFC East. Moving to that Washington Redskins game, they were in Pittsburgh on Sunday. A really intriguing matchup. You have the rookie RG3, one of the best rookie uh, quarterbacks really in recent memory, um, at least for his rookie year, playing one of historically one of the best defenses uh, of the last 10 years or so under Dick LeBeau coming back in his second stint as defensive coordinator for the Steelers in 2004. Since then, LeBeau and the Steelers are going into this game were 14-1, and against rookie quarterbacks, and that one win actually came in the last week of 2007. Arguably, the Steelers were resting players against the Ravens, and that rookie quarterback was Troy Smith. The Steelers were resting players and getting ready for the playoffs, so you might even argue that one doesn't really count. But again, that one win against that only one rookie quarterback has defeated this uh, Steelers defense and this um, staff, the Steelers defensive staff, and RG3 would become that 15th victory for the Steelers. They um, soundly defeated the Redskins 27-12. to uh, The Redskins did find the end zone, but um, an extra point was blocked. So there, w- there wasn't four field goals. There was a-, a touchdown scored. When you look at this game on paper, it's actually a really bad matchup for Washington. I don't think that Pittsburgh is that much better than the Redskins. There, there are certain matchups that teams are going to be able to take advantage of um, that other teams are, are, are not going to be able to. And the Steelers have a great passing attack. They, they really are a passing team now. We've talked about the Steelers a lot on this show. Um, and, and they love to throw the ball with Ben Roethlisberger and that young receiving core. The Redskins are not able to stop the pass. They're towards the bottom of the league. I think they're actually 32nd in pass defense. They're going to get lit up every week, and the only way they're going to win games is really to outscore people, and it's going to be hard to outscore this Steeler defense. And we've seen teams put up more points than normal on the Steelers this year, but the, the Pittsburgh did a great job on Sunday of stopping the run. That was the first goal that the Steelers had to have to make this a successful game for them. They had to stop the option that the the Redskins like to run, and they had to stop Alfred Morris. He had a high average of 4.5 yards per carry, but he only had 59 yards. They only rushed him 13 times, and they only held, they only Robert Griffin III only had 8 rushing yards. So the, the Steelers did the, their job on defense, stopping the run, making Washington one-dimensional with the pass, and of course on offense, Ben Roethlisberger was very efficient, throwing for 24 of 33, 222 yards, three touchdowns. Not as many yards as sometimes we see from Roethlisberger, but as the analysts on Fox said, very efficient game, uh, high percentage throws, 
controlling the clock. The Steelers, once again, control the time of possession. They seem to do that every week now. Even though they don't have a running game, they control the clock. Although on Sunday, they did have a running game with Jonathan Dwyer going over 100 yards. He's what came into the season as the third-string third running back. Now the starter as Mendenhall and Redmond went down. He went over 100 yards for the second time in a row. The first time a Steeler running back had, has done that since 2008. That is an unbelievable stat, if you ask me. A Steeler team that's known for rushing has not gone back-to-back games with a 100-yard rusher in four years. That's unbelievable. But the other story, I think, for Washington, I said they were one-dimensional, had to pass a lot in this game. Ten drops. Ten drops from Washington Redskins receivers. Going into the game, they only had 11 drops the whole year. In seven games, 11 drops, and and on Sunday, they had 10. So you're going to have a hard time moving the ball if you're dropping the ball that much um, with your receivers. Robert Griffin III, going into the game, 70% completion percentage, throwing the ball against the Steelers, 16 for 34, so under 50%. A lot of those had to have been the drops. But, again, the Steelers defense did an excellent job of stopping the run, making the team one-dimensional, making Griffin throw, and they really were unable to move the ball very well on offense. And the reason why I started off with these two games, the the winners of these two games, the Giants and the Steelers, are actually going to be playing each other next week in a 4 o'clock matchup. That's a big game for both teams. The Giants want to continue to increase their lead in the division. They have a pretty substantial lead in the NFC East right now. But the Steelers have won their last two games. The first time this year they've won back-to-back games. They're going back on the road. They've had some trouble on the road, but they won their last road game in Cincinnati. Although it's an out-of-conference game, this is a big game for the Steelers. They have a shot to go over 500 by 2 or drop back down to 500 at 4-4. Four and four. So it really could be a make-or-break game for the Steelers uh, next week. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with more game recaps from Sunday. back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Once again, we're trying to increase our fans' interaction on the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. Tweet at me, dmholcomb is my Twitter handle. Or you could also leave a comment on my Facebook page, Dave's Football News. Moving on to uh, the Sunday night game, We normally kick off the show with Sunday night games, but this week, this game really wasn't worth kicking off with. Uh, The Denver Broncos really handled the New Orleans Saints soundly, 34-14. This wasn't a contest. Um, From the start, uh, it was 7-7 at one point, tied, but uh, you can clearly see that the Broncos are getting better week to week. And uh, there's a nice article up on footballnation.com, written by Wesley Van Anden. Um, Of course, it's part of the series, Five Things That We Learned 
uh, that's covering the Broncos and Saints game, and he really makes a great point about the Broncos could be scary by the end of the season. They're already getting scary, uh, and they could be the team to be in the AFC. I know we still have Houston there, but as we get a little bit more, you know, closer and closer to the middle of the season, or just about at the midpoint of the season, uh, the Broncos and Texans really look like the the top teams in the AFC with the Ravens maybe a close third, but they're falling right now because of their defensive injuries. The Broncos looked impressive. Peyton Manning, 22 of 30, 305 yards, three touchdowns. Peyton Manning's doing his thing like he always did with Indianapolis. But the difference to me is he's got a running game. Willis McGahee, 23 rushes, 122 yards, well over 100 yards, averaged over five. He did lose a fumble. He's had a little bit of a fumble problem this year, but that should be be able to be corrected. Willis McGahee, he, he also scored a touchdown. Even Ronnie Hillman, 14 rushes, 86 yards. So his average was well over six. Well, this team can throw the ball and run the ball. And you know what? They have a great defense too, so they can they can play a tight-knit, low-scoring field goal game as well. This is this could be the most complete team in the AFC. Again, I still really like Houston. Houston was my preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. I didn't even pick Denver to go to the playoffs. Denver is looking good right now, and, and they're only going to get better. That's the scary part. They're only going to get better. As long as they can stay healthy, Manning is going to get more and more comfortable with his receivers. And for the Saints, there's really not much you can say. I mean, now they've fallen to 2-5. and five. Uh, I think it's pretty much put them out of the playoff hunt. Uh, they still have to play Atlanta two more times, uh, and they're 7-0. Even if they split with Atlanta, that's six losses. Virtually, you have to win every other game besides one game against Atlanta uh, to go 10-6. and six. And we've talked about it on this show. Is 10-6 and going to be good enough to make the playoffs in the NFC this year? I don't think so. I don't think so. We'll see, but I don't think so. Going to an NFC game now from Thursday night. We got to see um, a matchup that, uh, of course, you got to see it if you have NFL Network. Um, Two teams that you don't normally see unless they're in your local area. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers visited the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, of course, were off to that hot start at 5-2, defeated the San Francisco 49ers a few weeks ago. That was probably their top win. And the Tampa Bay Bucks have really been playing well as of late. They lost last week against the New Orleans Saints, one of the Saints' victories this year. But Tampa Bay has played well. And uh, Tampa Bay actually ended up winning this game by a wide margin, 36-17. to And Josh Freeman played very well for the third week in a row. 262 passing yards, three touchdowns. But the player of this game, The rookie running back, Doug Martin, 29 rushes, 135 yards, uh, touchdown, and then also had a touchdown receiving, three catches, 79 more yards. So well over 200 yards of total offense for Doug Martin. This is a guy that a lot of people probably have never heard of um, around the country because he's a rookie, plays for Tampa Bay, and unfortunately this game isn't on national TV, so a lot of people probably still haven't heard of Doug Martin, but... If you haven't heard of him before, now you have. And if you have a fantasy uh, league, you should go check to see if this guy's available. 
this guy is going to be good. Um, and I think this is a breakout game for him. Uh, I don't expect him to get 200 yards and two touchdowns every week, but this is a good Viking defense that he was able to go off on. And more often than not, I think for the rest of the year, Doug Martin is going to have a good game. I would pick him up if he's available in your fantasy leagues. As for the Vikings, hey, let's look at the turnover differential for this game. Minnesota, three turnovers. Tampa Bay, zero. Oh, my. When you don't turn the ball over, good things happen. And the Vikings, early on in this game, they got into a big hole in the first half because of mistakes. Adrian Peterson, unlike him, he lost the fumble. Peterson had a great game, 15 rushes, 120 yards, average over 8 yards per carry. But I'm sure he's kicking himself this week in practice because of that fumble that he lost. And, you know, a couple other mistakes. Uh, Christian Ponder interception led to, obviously, another turnover. When you turn the ball over three times and you don't get any turnovers, it's it's tough to win in the NFL. Uh, The Vikings saw that. They fall to 5-3. and Now they're in a tight race for the NFC North with the Bears and Packers winning. We'll talk about that race a little bit later in our show. And the last game that I was able to watch this weekend, the Oakland Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, a lot of people are probably not going to be very interested in this game. Uh, but it is a rivalry out there in the AFC West. It's a old-fashioned AFL matchup. So I, I, I like these kind of games, even though the teams aren't very good. McFadden finally got going. He, he uh, That is Darren McFadden for the Oakland Raiders. Um He's had some trouble early on in this season. Hasn't been able to really get going. He didn't score a touchdown in this game, but finally he got over 100 yards. He got 114. They did feed him the ball 29 times, so his average wasn't very good. But he got the 114 yards. Um, Carson Palmer is actually playing pretty well. Uh, Over 200 yards passing again. Two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, And Darius Moore. If Darius Moore is available in your fantasy leagues, I would look at him. Five catches on Sunday, 96 yards, and a touchdown. So who would have thought that somebody in the passing game for Oakland would be worth picking up? But Oakland won this game 26-16. to And hey, let's look at the turnover differential. Kansas City 4, Oakland 1. And Oakland won this game by 10. Uh, Kansas City able to come back a little bit. But the big thing, I think, for Kansas City, obviously the turnovers, they lead the league in giveaways with well over 20. I think it's closer to 25 now. They have no quarterback. They have no identity on offense because they have no quarterback. Brady Quinn started this game, played three series, did nothing, uh, threw an interception. They took him out, put in Matt Castle. He struggled. I mean, his stats are a little better. He was 20 for 30, threw a touchdown, but he also threw an interception. Romeo Cornell, you got to pick a quarterback you got to pick somebody and stick with them. Even if he's not very good, just give your offense a leader. Give them an identity. You have Jamal Charles. You're going to be running the ball mostly anyway. If somehow Kansas City can cut down on their giveaways, they could be a halfway decent team. They have a talent on both sides of the ball, just are missing a quarterback, really. But I, I don't know how... I picked this team to win the AFC West. That's an embarrassment on my part. This team in Kansas City is now 1-6, lost their last four games. And uh, 
you got to wonder if Romeo Cornell is going to stay there. He obviously, the, the team played well under him last year when he was interim head coach, but not so much this year. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our fourth and long segment. We're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're going to our fourth and long segment. We're going to kick off with something that really I could have started the show with, but it was a game that I really didn't get to see a lot of, so I didn't. Uh, but worth covering definitely in the fourth and long segment, the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the undefeated Atlanta Falcons 30-17. to This is the first time an Andy Reid Eagle team has lost after the bye. So quite a big loss for them. Now they they have fallen below 500 at three and four. The Eagles were a team that you know wasn't playing very well early in this season, but still winning. So you thought that they would improve like they always do under Andy Reid and and get find a rhythm and and uh, really make a run at it this year. Not happening so far. Michael Vick continues to struggle. The defense continues to struggle even after firing the defensive coordinator last week. And the the Falcons really handed it to him, thirty to seventeen. This the statement for our fourth and long segment: the Philadelphia Eagles will miss the playoffs in two thousand and twelve. I'm grunting. I don't think this is a playoff team. I've said on numerous times. I think the NFC is a tough conference this year, and I you're not going to get in at ten and six. I really don't think so. You got San Francisco winning the West probably. We'll, we'll see who's going to win the NFC North, but you're going to have two teams out of the NFC North in, in Green Bay and Chicago. The, the South belongs to Atlanta, and the East right now looks like it belongs to the Giants. That other wildcard team could be Arizona, could be Seattle, could be Minnesota. And you even have maybe, you know, Dallas, all right, maybe, probably not. And then you have Philadelphia. So those five teams, I think, are competing with it. I really think you can probably scratch off Dallas, and I think you can scratch off Philadelphia. I, I don't think, I mean, you don't want to scratch them off in the sense that will they compete for it? I think they'll compete for it, but I don't think they'll get it. I don't think Philadelphia is going to make the playoffs. And this really, I think if they don't make the playoffs, they'll fire Andy Reid. I really think they will. Um, it's, I think it's time for major changes in Philly, whether it's a quarterback change or whether it's a coaching change. I think it's coming this offseason. Going to that NFC North, uh, my next statement, the Chicago Bears will win that NFC North. Both the Bears and the Packers won on Sunday. The Bears edging out the Panthers 23-22, and Green Bay struggled a little bit with Jacksonville at home, but prevailed 24-15. I'm going to grunt. I like the Bears a lot. I think they're a more complete team than the Green Bay Packers. I know that the Bears have already lost to the Packers. Um, right now the Bears are in front of Green Bay um, by a game. But, like I said, Green Bay has the tiebreakers right now. They do play one more time. That game is going to be in Chicago. Just look at the Bears' defense. I 
there was one point in this season that the Bears had scored more on defense than they've given up on defense. I don't know if that's still the case, but it's pretty close. That's an unbelievable stat. Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play his heart out every week, then then Green Bay struggles. You know, they their running game has improved. They they have Cedric Benson now, Alex Alex Green, the second year man has run, has been running better, but that defense really struggles at times. Yes, well, Jay Cutler, can they can he take the Bears to a Super Bowl? I don't know. But to win the division, the Bears are a more consistent team. They are a more complete team. I think the Bears are going to win the NFC North. At this point in time, I'm picking the Bears. We've mentioned a few fantasy uh, updates with uh, guys doing well. Let's go to somebody who's not doing so well. San Diego lost to Cleveland seven to six. The Browns were able to get their first win of the uh, second win of the season. Excuse me. Um, Philip Rivers now two bad games in a row. Of course, he had the horrible Monday night game that everybody saw, and now a game that probably not many people saw because it was in Cleveland. No touchdowns, no interceptions, less than two hundred yards passing. Is it time to bench Philip Rivers on your fantasy team? I, I'm curious in this question because I have Philip Rivers on one of my teams. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bench him this coming week. I picked up Josh Freeman. I mentioned earlier he has had three great games in a row. I didn't start him because he was playing a tough Minnesota Vikings team on the road. Freeman played very well. Rivers on the road against an average Cleveland defense. It was tough, tough weather, but Rivers did not play well at all. Um, Depending on who you have as your backup, I mean, could influence your decision. But I am going to bench Phillip Rivers on my fantasy team. Going to the AFC South, a division game between the, the Colts and the Titans. The Colts edged the Titans in overtime on the road 19-13. to And that's going to lead to this question. The Colts are 4-3. and three. Are the Colts a playoff contender in the week AFC. I'm going to grunt. I think they are. And I it really is only because of that weak conference. Um, we, we broke down the NFC. Let's break down the AFC. All right, looks like Denver is going to win the West. Houston's going to win the South. New England will is going to win the East. And for, for argument's sake, let's go with Baltimore winning the North. I, I still think Baltimore probably is going to come out on top in that division so that leaves you with two spots left who's competing with those spots who's looked good well they're four and three as well but Pittsburgh has looked good the last two weeks so they could get one of the wild cards um no one in the west has really been impressive uh with San Diego dropping very quickly um no one in the east has looked that good uh the the bills have struggled at times the jets We'll get to them later. The Dolphins, though, are 4-3. and three. Maybe them. All right, so let's say Pittsburgh, Miami. We'll throw in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the ruling's still out on them. And then you have the, the South with Titans, Jaguars, and Colts. Titans and Jaguars aren't... aren't I don't think they're going to compete for it. So there's really only four other teams that I can really think of at this point that I really think have a shot at the wild card, and the Colts are one of them. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm, I'm ruling out teams like the Jets, the Chargers, the Bills. The, those teams I don't think are, are going to be in it in a month. Um, I think the Colts could be. If they get a win, you know, they stay around 500. Actually, you could get a, get a wild card at 9-7 and seven in the AFC. So the, the Colts will compete for a wild card. Going to that Jets uh, team, not a very good Sunday for them. They uh, were coming off a tough loss in New England last week. Uh, really a season-defining game that if they would have been able to come out with a victory there, uh, but, but lost a close one. And then another division game. They've already beaten Miami this year on the road, playing Miami at home. Miami trumped them. And I think what's really been tough for the Jets this year is their special teams play. The Jets usually have very good special teams play. And again, it's been faulty. A blocked punt for a touchdown um, against them on Sunday. Miami was able to score on that play. Uh, the Dolphins won with their backup quarterback, Matt Moore, playing most of this game. And they won by a lot, 30-9. to nine. Uh, My question, Miami will finish in front of the Jets in the AFC East. I'm grunting again. I'm grunting on all of these. I think Miami will have a better record than the Jets towards the end of the year at the end of the season. Um, the Dolphins have really surprised me. They're, they're you know, a 500 team right now, um, and the Jets the Jets are a circus every week, and, and um, there's going to be there's question marks whether Sanchez should play, whether Tebow should play, why isn't Tebow uh, getting more time. There's an, even an article on footballnation.com written by Vince Payne, New York Jets, Tim Tebow still, as, still dormant as so-called secret weapon. So that's an article you can check out on our website. Uh, but Dolphins have impressed. Jets have not. Dolphins, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think the Colts are going to make the playoffs. But in a weak AFC, they're competing for that. And the Jets, I don't think will. In the next few weeks, they're going to be out of it. And I got one more statement for us this week. I had six statements for our fourth and long segment. Somehow we covered or talked about every game that occurred this week so far. That last one we haven't talked about was the London game. The Patriots playing the, the Rams in the Wembley Stadium in London, England. My question that I've asked a few times on this show over the summer, for any new listeners that we picked up since the season started, probably haven't heard me rant about the team in London. But my question, team in London, punting away, very far away. There should not be a team in London. There's not a fan base there for a team. Anybody who says there is, they're really just displaced Americans or Americans that travel over there for the weekend, believe it or not, for the weekend or the week or whatever, to watch their team play. Um, I was in London this past spring. I was there for four months. Your average Londoner does not give bleep bleep about American football. They just don't. And to put a team over there, I think, would be a mistake. So no one really seems to listen to me. That's okay. But I I, I will stand strong with this. It's cool that they have a game there once a year. I think that's actually kind of cool um, to play over there. I don't know how the players feel, but I think it's cool that there's a game over there once a year. Um for, for whatever reason you want to say, to expand the NFL overseas, uh, whatever. I, I think it's cool that they, they get out um, and play in London. London is a very cool city. 
But to have a NFL team there, just uh, the location is very inconvenient for all teams. Um, imagine flying from San Francisco to London for an away game. A little inconvenient. Uh, but not only is it inconvenient, there's just not a fan base. And I could go on and on. I'm going to cut myself off here. We're running out of time on our show. But I would punt this far away. If they want to keep having a game there once a year, fine. But not not have a team in London. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. Yeah, Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Once again, if you want to talk to me about football, you can reach me on Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Email me at D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a comment on Facebook at the, at the search in your toolbar, Dave's Football News. I hope everybody out there appreciates I got every game in from this past week. Once again, uh, that Monday night game, if you're listening on Monday, will be between San Francisco and Arizona, a big NFC West game. The 49ers trying to increase their lead out there. The Cardinals are trying to stay in it. You know, it's a good thing that, uh, I guess for San Franciscoans anyway, that the San Francisco Giants were able to sweep the Detroit Tigers last night so they don't have to choose between watching the 49ers on Monday night football or the Giants in Game 5 of the World Series. Congratulations to those San Francisco Giants on winning the World Series. I was hoping to see a more competitive World Series, but unfortunately Detroit let me down. Um, But the Giants, really impressive team, um, had excellent pitching, and uh, more consistent hitting than any other team in the playoffs. Really great team. Two World Series in three years in the modern era. That's quite impressive. Um, and represent the National League. The National League have won quite a, a lot of the last few World Series. Good for the National League. I'm a National League fan. To close out our show, um, we have an article that I'd like to reference written by Matt Buffington, the NFL's top eight running backs right now. Um, it's, it's in slideshow format. It's up on footballnation.com. I recommend you checking it out. It's a pretty cool um article um, slash uh, slideshow, so I, I, I'd recommend reading that one. want to wish everybody a happy Halloween, Halloween week, whatever, Halloween weekend, whatever you want to call it, um, Halloween falling on, in the middle of the week this year on a Wednesday, so uh, I'm not sure which weekend is Halloween weekend. I was confused about that, but I love Halloween. Uh, go dress up as something nice. Get lots of candy. Uh So everybody have a good Halloween. And for those of you on the East Coast, I hope everybody stays safe from Hurricane Sandy. Uh, Classes for me were canceled on Monday and Tuesday um, here in Syracuse. So I can't can't imagine what is happening actually on the East Coast when they're canceling classes in Central New York. But uh, I hope everybody is able to stay safe. And, And you know what? Maybe everybody stays inside and more people listen to the podcasts. That would be cool. Let's get more people listening uh on their computers to me and my nonsense and stay out of the bad weather. 
So once again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the Monday night game. And week nine, we'll be back next week on Monday morning to recap week nine. In the meantime, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. <laughs>